0: That all men are
1: created. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Your Story, thanks for dropping by. Hey it's 2008 isn't it? I've been working quite hard in the background just to fill you in. I've been putting systems into place. I've been meeting some people and asking them who they know. I've been putting the word out there. Tell me some interesting people that you know in your life. And I've been quite surprised at the people that they're telling me about. I've been bouncing a few emails around. I've been dropping in, asking them, hey, this is what I'm up to. I'm getting people's stories. Everyone has an amazing story. You want to share? And uh, once people hear it and uh, realize that I'm quite genuine about this... Um, it 's really wonderful that the way that they 've all been warming to the idea and uh over the next little while i 'm looking forward to catching up with many of these people and recording their stories and getting it out to you it's it's actually frankly extremely exciting and i 'm 'm so looking forward to meeting them. there 's some people that I just would never normally meet in my normal life so as it 's working out for me and frankly i 'm being a little bit selfish here, this is part of the strategy if i uh If I have this podcast, I can use it as an excuse to get to meet people I normally wouldn't get to meet, and uh, that's great for me. I'm really quite enjoying it. Hey, if you're enjoying it, and it is early days, we're only up to episode five, I'd like to ask a favour. Over there at the website at uh, yourstorypodcast.com, you can find the links to the feed and iTunes. If you uh, feel inclined, uh, why don't you subscribe? It doesn't cost you anything, and uh, it's nice to know that people are getting this on a regular basis. I'd also love to hear from you so you can leave a, a uh, mention on the post and yeah, just a little comment or something and it's, that's great but if you'd like to you can also send me an email the email address is chat at your it's uh nice to know you're out there today's the 26th of january 2008 for those of you who don't know it's uh australia Day. 220 years since the europeans decided to bring their convicts and a few soldiers and plump them down in what eventually became sydney uh, where they landed is the t- Tank Stream. The Tank Stream actually flows into where Circular Quay is now, where the ferries travel across the harbour. That, if you're overseas, you'll, you'll know the harbour. It's the one with the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House on. Well, that's where it all started here in Australia. Well, that's where the Europeans like to think it all started. In actual fact, probably about sixty to a hundred thousand years ago, uh, there are Aboriginals here, and it's frankly, it's a bit of a blight on our history that we've treated these good people so poorly now I'm not going to get into a political rant and rave about it although I've got quite a few strong opinions that's not what this program's about I uh I was asking around during the week and frankly it's quite a coincidence that it happens to be Australia Day that I'm posting this episode because that wasn't the reason I went down the road and I actually asked if somebody knew of somebody who had an interesting story and John turned around and said hey you should talk to Rod he's got a fascinating story that's who we're talking to today. a—he's uh, an Aboriginal Australian. Rod was born in West Australia, but very quickly, at a very young age, he was shipped over to Holland, where he was raised until the age of 14. And that makes him quite different to most Australian Aboriginals in that he has somewhat of a European perspective on the way things are here in Australia. He came back at the age of 14, and that's where everything went, frankly, pretty pear-shaped for the poor fella. And After 20 years of uh, misadventure, which involved uh, alcohol and prison and the like, he's managed to forge a bit of a career as an artist and a musician, along with a bit of a part-time actor. It's a good story. So uh, hang around, listen to it. By the way, the dig that you can hear in the background, that's uh, Rod. He uh, allowed me to record a bit of his dig playing for this. So thanks, mate. Please, everybody, enjoy. This is Rod. G'day, Rod. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, so, Rod, tell me your story.
0: Ah, oh, good. My name's Rod. Um, I'm a model that's from the 60s. 62, right? 62. I was born in 1960. Oh, okay. So
1: we're the same vintage. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And it's kind of weird because um, that's where it kind of gets interesting. Man. Okay.
1: So where were you born, mate?
0: Uh, Western Australia, in a place called North Fremantle. And, um, so that's down southwest
1: of West Australia Well is it around Freo around Fremantle
0: yeah it's in the, it's just outside the CBD basically okay. and um, in 62 a young girl went down to North Fremantle to have that baby who was me and just um, the last time she seen me for quite a few years
1: right how old is she?
0: she would have been about 14
1: right okay
0: at the time and you know put another 14 years on top of my age now 46 you know could 56. be my big sister yeah could that's be right my big 56 sister. that's yeah. right
1: it's not much of an age difference is there no. yeah do you know the story about how she had you
0: yeah yeah I, I got some documentation a little while ago from Link Up and um Up Queensland and
1: Linkup down there they put together people adoptees adoptees and adoptees yeah don't yeah
0: they? technically yeah um the 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 service delivery ain't always that crash hot, from my own experience. Anything that I might share on this recording isn't from other people's gossip. Yeah. It's from my own experience. Sure. And and I don't talk up on behalf of anybody or or this, that or the other anywhere around the country, you know, because um, it could become quite dangerous. Sure.
1: So what did you find out about your mum?
0: Well, she was 13 years of age when she was raped by a man in her middle 20s he who just happened to be a railway worker. You know, same old thing, you know, we go look for black women if we can't find our own kind. Okay, know.
1: well, what's your heritage? Because I can, I'm sitting here looking at you,
0: but, mm. you know, the people listening yeah, to Well, this I'm Aboriginal, thing. right down to the very core, even down to my toenails, you know, five foot nine, <laughs> 46 <laughs> years of age. These days, I'm an international artist of sorts.
1: So your, your mum, she's, yep. she, she's a, um, an Aboriginal lady? Yep. Okay, so, and, and the man who raped her was a
0: white fella? Mm. Right. And, um, you know, I'm from country in the desert in Western Australia where you a black fella, a yellow fella, or a white fella.
1: So, now, so everybody, can, especially because this does go international, yep. for international listeners, describe those three terms for us.
0: Well, life's pretty simple in the desert. In the Murchison and even in Mullower, Western Australia, like you're either a black fella, a white fella, or a yellow fella.
1: And a black fella is, A eh?
0: black fella, in the true sense. He's an of, Aboriginal, uh, a yeah. native Australian. Yeah. and a white fella, he's the, he's the, the new Australian. The European immigrants, yeah. that's, that's me. That's the one. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm Northern European
0: heritage. And then there's a yellow fella.
1: And what's a yellow fella, China? He's
0: he's me, he's of mixed blood. <laughs>
1: now, most people would say a yellow fella's
0: Asian. No, no. But over there, a yellow it's fella's... A, it's a term that you hear from time to time and it describes Aboriginal people of mixed blood right so uh, okay. you know, in a lot of ways some some should be careful where they point their fingers because because of those very terminologies you know, yeah. of the yellow fella
1: and it's funny isn't it like um, I've actually come across white fellas
0: mm.
1: live their life all their life as a white fella and then at 40 50 60 years yeah. of age they find out that great grandma mm.
0: <laughs> well these days it's quite it's, fashionable it's to of, have even a a, a, a a spill of Aboriginal blood in your system these oh, days, because I'd love it. You know,
1: like, you know, like I'm, mm. I'm third generation Australian, yep. and I would love to have a bit of black fella in me. I truly would. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a bit of convict in me too. You well, know, yeah. sort of Australian royalty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, it, it's quite interesting, and even though I didn't understand it at the time, that uh, my stepmother and father fought for five long years in the Supreme Court of Western Australia for the right to adopt me because okay, there were so... charges pending on that white fellow. That raped my mother.
1: Really? That,
0: as far as I know, still haven't been addressed. You know? So, what happened to the him? Did he ever see justice? No, I don't think so. Not from you know, not from anything that I've been told or shared, to or anything that's in a written sort of document. Right. You know? And I always swore, you know, there was a part of my life where I always swore that I'd kick the shit out of my father if I ever met. Him.
1: Yeah, it's hard to even relate to him as a father, isn't
0: he? Yeah, this is all before. I actually read the documentation not so long ago in regards to who I am, where I'm from and what I'm about, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's not many good things come out of that neighbourhood, a lot of sad things.
1: So have you ever met your mum?
0: Yep. Once I was in jail at the time, Um, serving quite a lengthy sentence for armed robbery, and um, she came in to visit me. And I had the cheek to say to her, "Who give you that black eye?" You know, <laughs> yeah. And because um, in my own alcoholic thinking, I suppose, I was thinking, "I'll take care of that when I get out."
1: Oh, okay. So, see, so she had somebody who just knocked her around. Yeah, and you, and you were going to when you got out. Mm, you
0: were I, I never did catch up to that person. you know, Okay. Because other things took.
1: So you, you saw that as an injustice, of course.
0: Well, in its own roundabout way, you know, and and it was actually. A, old girl's boyfriend at the time you know, he's an Aboriginal man and um, you know, when you drink grog, all sorts of stupid shit happens, yeah. and that was, was one such thing.
1: Where was this, where did you meet your mum, over in West Australia?
0: Yeah, yeah, I actually, I was living here in Brisbane at the time, and I had a burden wish wished to go and meet her, you know
1: Sure, I can get and,
0: that. and I just dropped everything that I had Around me at the time, which wasn't a great deal because I was in the world or the realm of alcoholism myself mm. until not so long ago, and uh, so when the abnormal becomes a normal sort of thing. Mm.
1: You know? like, yeah, sure. What's your mum like?
0: Very quiet. She's as black as this table. Right. And
1: would you would you say that she's you know 100% Aboriginal? Well, as
0: much as I'm 100% when you're white. Pra- when you're practicing law, you 100% anything. Sure. You know.
1: Well, that's something I want to get to—is yeah. the way you identify, it. but we'll, we'll catch that a little bit later. Yep, because yep. I think it's an important point. Um, so um, there you are—you know, you're born in West Aussie, yep. and then th- this other couple turned up who wanted to adopt you. Mm. Tell me about them.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think it was quite fashionable in the days <coughs> to adopt people, but Aboriginal kids in particular, because. Um, a lot of Dutch people in Western Australia, as well as certain other parts of the country, adopted Aboriginal children. And um,
1: What was their thinking?
0: Well, it was in the constitution of each state and territory, OK, of this country, that the children were to be taken away. We can uh, educate them. We can train them, you know, as domestics. We can train them as this, that mm. and the other. That's, you know... That's what my research at university has shown me, you know. It's, and and it's it's kind of interesting because you know it doesn't matter what people talk about that are from a non-indigenous background. They always document it. They have a terrible habit of documenting things. you know? And over the the last three years, in particular, as an academic studying for a degree of visual arts. Um, my research through all that stuff has sort of shown me, nice. you know. But one thing they spearheaded me at, at, at university was, you know, as an Aboriginal academic, being trained by my own kind, you read between the lines and you believe half of what you read. Sure. You know, and it's, it's been pretty spot on, you know. Um, there will always be a difference of opinion, a difference of, of, of anything, you know, of place, of time, you know, because... They don't quite see it the way I would see it through my eyes. Sure. You know?
1: So you were you're initially born in um West Australia. Did you go into a foster or a orphanage type situation initially? Or no. did you, or did your adoptive parents pick you up when you were a baby?
0: No, my stepmother's had me since I was three days old. I am aware that there was a relationship because of the documentation that I was able to get my hands on. Um, that there was a relationship of to- sorts while my mum was pregnant carrying me around. And um, and there was utmost respect for, for that woman on my mother and father's part. And again, five long years in the Supreme Court of Western Australia for the right to adopt me. Right. So I was well and truly connected you know, to a lot of things before I ever left Australia.
1: Yeah, Okay. So, you know, there's a term for this, isn't it? Where coloured kids are taken away and...
0: and Yeah, yeah. These days, you know, I'd like to find the room where they create all these terminologies, you know, whether they be for white Australians, black Australians, European Australians, Asian Australians. And I'd like to find that little room because that man or those people that are responsible for creating that sort of dialogue they need a good hiding because it's not quite right for me to call you a white boy all the time you know? it
1: does fraction us out doesn't it it well, stops us being you know, people
0: yeah it makes it, us it categorizes us well you know i would go as far as to say cast c-a-s-t-e cast caste, yes and that's not a word that you hear terrible lot of i actually heard it about an hour ago in an a.a meeting that i was that? and but it was a different caste. It was an Indian caste. Yeah. See? Well, the Indians are
1: big into that. Mm. But, um, but we we play that game, and so do a lot of cultures. Oh.
0: It's all about us and them, isn't yep. it? Yep, yep. And I grew up in a caste system in Europe. And I got to hear about a caste system in England quite a bit, you know? Okay. And um, in relation to Australia, we have that caste system as well, the C A S T E one. But we use terminologies rather than. You know, call us aristocrats or or call us bums. And in the rank of caste, Aboriginal people at the bottom of the ladder, man, the the bottom rung.
1: Well, this is worthwhile bringing up, reminding people, you were born in an era when Aboriginal Australians weren't even identified as citizens. Mm -hmm. You were actually under the Flora and Fauna Act until 1967.
0: And opiates as well.
1: Oh, there was all the atrocities that went Mm -hmm. down with that, Mm -hmm. but I think the fact that there was... You know, in law, yep. you're under the floor, you know, Aboriginal people were under the Flora and Fauna Act well, yep. as wildlife. Yep. Um, and then in 1967, there was a referendum in Australia, yep. and overwhelmingly, the population of Australia voted to yep. create all Aboriginals yep. as equal citizens. And I think that was one of the most important things that's ever happened in Australia.
0: Well, history. you know, if you, if you look at that alone, you know, there still isn't an equilibrium. On, a, on an equal basis as the non-indigenous people in this country, we're still at the bottom of the, the ladder. You know? It's It's absolutely poorly. disgusting. It's an international disgrace. Yeah. Third world and, and, health. Yeah. You know, I've just come from a community up in Harnam Land where they are dictated to what they buy. They are dictated to how they should think. You know, these are these are law people. You know, where English is a third, fourth, even a fifth language. You know, and here they come in, uh, you know, enforcing shit on the community up there you know yeah. and that was just one community that I was in you know but over the over the years I haven't had a drink for nearly 16 years but Good on you. you know I've seen a few communities and it's the same fucking story time and time again you know mm. and you know
1: so let's go back to your childhood so you were adopted yep and then at the age of what did you leave australia
0: I'm not even sure if I was still in australia when the referendum came along actually well, it sounds like
1: there
0: could have been a good chance when you acted that you'd already gone. Yeah, and thought um, well, I was pushing five. And, yeah, it uh, would
1: have been around the time.
0: You know, and oh, even as a five-year-old kid, I have seen a lot of things. You know, I wasn't I wasn't one of the other black fellows that went to the local primary school. I was the so-and-so kid, you know, and and you know, much like that yellow fellow tagging, you know. You know, some of my own kind have been more cruel to me since I've been back in this country than anybody else. You know? Really? Yeah. 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 Biggest perpetrators. You mm. know? And, oh well, that's your call. You know, that's that's my call. That's my experience. That's your right? experience. You that's know?
1: right. I yeah. I can't make a judgement mm. about this stuff. And, what
0: I said And and you know I don't speak from other people's gossip or from a book that I've read. You know, my own experience it will always be my own experience. You know, and I remember an old fellow they called. Dolby Jack and he told me a long time ago, you know, sixteen years ago almost, that, you know, all you can ever share about is your own experience. You know? I agree. And and I've been fortunate enough over you know, since ninety two to have been able to share that own experience, whether it be on a cultural level, whether it be on a level of, of drug addiction or, or alcoholism or even my everyday walk of life. Yeah. You
1: know? So your parents you to Europe?
0: Yep. Was it to Holland? Yep.
1: Okay. So here you are, you know, about five years old when you landed Holland. Yep. This, you know, this little dark-skinned kid from Australia. Yep. What was that like?
0: It was, it was like walking into a toy shop, I would imagine. Same sort of feeling, <laughs> seeing all these toys that you'd like to have but you can't buy.
1: Were your and parents wealthy?
0: Uh, I wouldn't Absolutely. say they, I wouldn't say they were poor by any means. Right, so very, very middle class. Very kind of middle class. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, you know they must have they must have had a lot of love because I remember Mum even when I speak to her now even from time to time you know that they always wanted a big family. They have two sons of their own, and, okay. and um, I'm the eldest adopted one, and, and you know it it's sort of. It must have had a lot of love, you know. And I remember the old lady, she won a, a an award for, for being the mother of the year in regards to something that happened back home a long time ago. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do you um, have much to do with now and, and your uh, brothers, brothers and sisters?
0: No, no, no. I, I, uh, I was always with them but always distant, you know, so... I mean, Mum came over a few years ago to meet her granny's for the first time, and she 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 actually rang me from the Perth Airport the minute they got off the plane, thanking me for allowing her to see her granny. I said, Mum, you, know, you have to thank me for nothing. Her grandmother? No, no. She's the grandmother of my kids. Oh, okay. Kids. To see your see so
1: your grandkids. See oh, that's yeah. what you mean by grannies. Your grandkids, her
0: grandkids, your yeah. children. And,
1: um, okay. What about your dad?
0: He committed suicide when I was quite young on a return voyage back to Europe. Oh, okay. Because... The first trip back to Europe? uh, No, 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 no. Did you do a few backwards and forwards? uh, I think we'd done three all up. I think it was the second time round, and I don't know what year that was in, but it was before the 70s or even early 70s. And I remember that old man, because the media really crucified my stepmother and father, and it drove him to suicide. I used to actually visit him in a mental institution... Was back in the days when they were handing out shock treatment. Yeah, sure. Grown man, man.
1: Uh, So this was because they were fighting the court system to basically.
0: No, 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 no. no. This is the media crucifying anything that they decide to want to, you know, crucify. So what did they pick on your mum? Well, it wasn't wasn't quite fashionable to adopt kids in certain circles.
1: Okay, so the media decided because they were well, going to adopt a, yeah, a, a dark-skinned you know, kid, yeah. they were going to give her a hard time.
0: Well, more than likely, I remember the first voyage across there, because back in those days you travelled everywhere by ship. Yeah, of course. You know, and the media were there, and they just absolutely hounded my mother and father. You know, and I didn't quite understand it. Even when I came home, I still didn't quite understand it.
1: All
0: right. You know, what sort of a human interest story is that to, to throw around the newspapers and this and that,
1: all about blame and prejudice and bigotry you know all that
0: nasty stuff there were even black fellas around making comment you know about my mother and my father why should they adopt to you know that many aboriginal kids and take them all back to europe you know and they even talked about racism over there that i never ever experienced (laughs) yeah so how was it in europe you you didn't find any racism? i was i was a novelty at the time because i had dark skin sure i used to i actually in one house that I lived in, I used to run across the road and jump over the back fence and hide in the backyard because girls would chase me around the schoolyard or, you know, playtime and lunchtime and shit.
1: <laughs> so you, you were a bit of a... a uh, even as a young fellow, you were a bit of a ladies' man because
0: you were a novelty. Well, I didn't look. I had girl germs for a lot of years, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'd like to see them same girls chasing me around today. <laughs> well, um, mate, mate then maybe they're out there. Well, yeah, yeah and... Yeah. I've been speaking to the Northern Hemisphere for quite some time now in their language, giving them a more truer account of what's happening to one black fellow in this country, let alone a race of people.
1: So you're fluent in
0: Dutch? North Statesman, yeah. Spreak at North States Claim Beach, yeah.
1: Okay, well, if there's any Dutch people listening, they would have just understood that because I certainly didn't. (laughs) Queer Dutch? So you stayed over there for, until when? When Uh, when
0: did did you grow up? There's a good part of nine years all up. Oh, okay. The the times, because we had three trips across there
1: okay so what you came back to australia permanently in
0: 1975. I okay think,
1: so you weren't that old you're only 12
0: no, 13. 14. 14 okay that's yeah. so when my world fell apart when i come off that ship what happened um but the media the media attacked my mother as soon as they laid the plank across to the ship they were the first fellas on the ship so they, were,
1: they, they knew this story from the past and yeah, they were waiting for it to yeah, come back yeah God, yeah, you with
0: vultures, all their raced yeah, vultures you know and and you know, there are evil way of conditioning people, media, you know. People should stop watching the news. Because <laughs> we were front page news at the time, and I, I had a photo of me, that was the, the most scariest look. And I'm thinking, well, because the, 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 the title in the, on the front page said, Immigrants Back From Worldwide Walkabout, you know. I was a fucking immigrant in my own country, for yeah. Christ's sake. You know? yeah. so how's that?
1: So you you came back to Australia as a fourteen-year-old and and settled back into West Australia. Yep. Um, how did you go to school there? Did you finish your schooling over there? And...
0: Yeah, I, I had to drop back a couple of grades in high school because, you know, like anything anything here comes from the northern hemisphere, <laughs> so my education on mainland mainland europe was a little bit more superior than anything british at the time from an education aspect of, of learning I, I loved learning as a kid man yeah. i loved it but when i got shoved back a grade or two in high school i, I thought no yeah. did you rebel did you... oh i did all that yep yeah. and so that was a part of that was the start of a rebellious uh, period in yeah yeah i mean the only thing that i really excelled in was sport
1: What
0: was your favourite sport? Soccer. Yeah. If I'd have been left to my own devices in Europe, I'd have been a soccer God, these days.
1: Yeah.
0: I'd play soccer after school, lunchtime, you know, whenever I wasn't. So
1: did you play soccer when you came back to Australia?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you play at a state level? Did you, or did you? I went up for state selection year after year after year, but colour of skin stopped me from getting in there. And soccer in the 70s wasn't really acceptable game to play. No, it was For wasn't. a human being, let alone a black fella. That's right, that's and right. And I used to get a lot of name-calling on the soccer field. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I can yeah. imagine. So um, what age did you finish school?
0: I finished school, I would have been 16, um, and then I went into a pre-apprenticeship in the arena of panel beating. Okay. And I did that for uh, three years of my life. I actually did my third year in jail, and then it was only 12 months left to do, but... It's been so long since I had a hammer in my hand, you know. It's,
1: so you said that you went to jail at that time, so you start, must have got up, started getting up to a bit of mischief fairly young, eh?
0: Hey? Yep, yep. Oh, not long after I got here, back to Australia in 75, I started hanging around with a lot of older people, and if I had a drink in me, it didn't matter that I had an accent or, or a different way of thinking. What uh, age did
1: you have your first drink? 14. 14, yep. when you first came back?
0: Yep. And I remember a bloke, that used to knock around with my brothers. They met them in Holland, and we are coming across the Channel, the North Sea, to England to catch a boat from Southampton. And I remember one of them blokes asking me if I wanted a drink. I said, no, nah, never touched that shit. But because I couldn't quite fit into society when I came back home, because I was an Aboriginal, you know, all Aboriginals drink, get drunk, get in trouble. So I did all that shit.
1: You basically followed the norm.
0: Followed what was always being yelled at me. You yeah. Know? Mostly from white people, you know. So yeah.
1: would you say that society almost created you?
0: Even now when I think about it, I did become the product of what people started to call me.
1: And I think that's a beautiful way of saying that we as a community, we need to change the environment so that the products that are in it that are having problems. Yep. Have a chance to get out of it, whether that be healthcare, um, mental health, um, addiction to substances, crime, education, doesn't matter. Across mm. the board, fix those systems, yep. and a lot of people just do a lot better.
0: But you're making me think of living on the migrant hostel. Um, for those that didn't speak English when they came to this country, migrant hostels were little more than jails. Sure. You didn't leave that jail until you spoke a reasonable amount of English, and then you could go out into the workforce. Or if you had work, employment, you could go and work. Things sounds like familiar. unemployment were literally unheard of back in those days, and you know. Um,
1: it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does. It's been going on just these last few you know, years, know. you know. The boat, these people come over, they throw them in these camps, Woomera, places yep. like that.
0: How dare they, you know? Yeah. You know? I've heard. I heard an old lady from far north Queensland at a Sydney conference, a few years ago, say to Philip Ruddock, "Hey, Mister Ruddock." She called him Philip, too, by his first name, really stern. And she said, hey, because uh, there were a mob from Top End down, they just lost their case of some sort of compensation up, up in the courts in the Northern Territory. And she said to this old Philip Ruddock, Philip, let's not forget who the original boat people were, eh? And, and it was like a football stadium, man, that whole... That's right. That whole conference auditorium went berserk. That's right. And I cheer for that old lady. And I know of some of that to a certain degree because of living on a migrant hostel because, you know, like I was saying, they were a little more than prison camps. Oh, and it wasn't white Australia that built this country, you know. No, it was, Almost,
1: it, was yeah. you know, it was the management of white Australian of a lot of slave labour.
0: Well, literally, you know. literally
1: The knacks in North Queensland. You know, most Australians don't even know about the, the slave Greeks, trade, the
0: Italians, yeah. you know, everything. And then the,
1: and then the immigrants, not to mention the black stockmen out mm-hmm. west. Mm-hmm. There's heaps of stuff. Back back to you. Yeah, and so uh, um, so you you start you had your first drink at 14. Yep. And um, and then what happened? Well, how come you ended up in prison a couple of years later? It's uh, going down?
0: I, I just became so anti social because I hate I hated the name tagging of the ABO, you know, and, and I hated being a drunk but you know I I didn't quite I wasn't quite allowed to do the things that I wanted to nurture because of the colour of my skin, man, you know. And I, I got sick and tired of going for state trials in the arena of soccer because Back in the 70s, if you played soccer, you was a up. Yeah. And I actually, we, in the under-16s or under-14s, I actually won a trophy for being the junior clubman of the year. If, I don't know why, how I got that, because I was the biggest drunk. And then I followed that passion for as much as I could, but then I sw- switched codes and stopped playing soccer altogether.
1: Right.
0: And I was thinking about playing for the local here across the road, when they start training, just to get fit, you know. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, you should do. That'd be good yeah. for you. Mm. So, um, you're knocking around with the wrong crowd?
0: Yeah. All the, all, you know, and the abnormal becomes the normal, you know. And my mum used to drag my black ass to court most Monday mornings, you know, children's court. How long were you on the grog? Oh, from age 14 right up until age 30 is when I had my last drink.
1: So, you, you've you been dry now, what, 16 years?
0: Oh, yeah. Good part off, yeah. And my children, age 12 and 10, have never seen their father drunk or arrested by policemen. My son has danced for the Queen of England and world leaders in traditional dress. I mean, how many men can say that in the world, let alone...
1: You're a, bit, some you're a little bit fella. proud of your kids,
0: aren't oh, you? Oh, mate, shit, yeah. Any, <laughs> any, anybody who got a child that's danced for the Queen, regardless of what I think of her, and world leaders, that's a good, that's a good milestone, man, you yeah, know? Yeah. And... and they're, they're the blessings that I've had since I stopped drinking in 92. You said you went to prison. Yep. What was that for? The first one was for bashing a federal policeman. <laughs>
1: that'll do it, mate. <laughs> that'll, that'll land you in the slammer. <laughs>
0: because he stuck his nose into something that quite wasn't anything to do with that person.
1: And the, and the police would have just gone you for that?
0: Oh, man. Like, I was actually seeing one of my aunt and uncles off back to Holland, and there was another aunt their mum's sister... She had a husband that was always opinionated about me. I drink too much, do this and that. And I I just said, mind your own business, man. You you, you don't pay my rent. so shut your mouth. And it ended up in this big argument in the International Airport of Perth and I just just downed this uncle of mine. And these police were running towards me and I ended up... Somehow I ended up on the bottom bottom of the pile of coppers. Federal police, and when they got me up off the ground, I was handcuffed. And from Saturday afternoon till Monday morning, even an hour before court, I was getting kicked around, man. Yeah. You know, I I was literally in tears to the judge. I need I need to get bail, man, to get medical attention because man, there's a lot of soreness in me. You know.
1: How can I? Not good.
0: What were you, like 16 and something at the time? 17, eh? Tough, eh? And um, they waited, they put that case off until I did turn 18 and I went straight to Fremantle Prison. How long did you get? 35 days. And when the Federal Police actually found out that it was a domestic, they actually tried to apologise to my stepmother and she told them to get off her property and, you know, come and see me in jail and tell me that they were sorry. They never did? No.
1: Um, what did you go on to then?
0: I wasn't out of jail long, and I actually went back for nine months just during driving. I think it was after that, that nine months that I actually came to Queensland in 1982.
1: Right.
0: Oh. But prison is a place where you're kind of scared to go into it, but once you're in there, you know, water off a duck's back the next time round, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of thrived on it because I wanted to be that arsehole, I wanted to be that fella with the tattoo and I wanted to, you know, I mean, in essence, I was a Bantam rooster going nowhere in a hurry, you know, so it's a wonder I wasn't killed.
1: Did you um, get institutionalised at all?
0: I would say so, yeah, you know, because you, you know, if you could, in reception at, at places like institutions of jail, if you could rip your brain out and leave them at reception and pick them up on the way out, because... You don't have to think, you're, you're always being told what to do, when to do it and how to do it. You know? Rehabilitation is is utter bullshit. You know? So what they do in the system is they create all these programs, OK, that you got to do. Some people refer to it as jumping through the hoop like a little dog. You know? I was never one of them sort of characters. You
1: know? Did you pay a price for
0: that? I did pay dearly. You know? I think I would have lost a, a good chunk of 20 years out of my... My life because of prison. Yeah. I've heard it in in places like 12 step programs as doing life installments. Ah, okay.
1: I take it. Did you go in a few more times after
0: when you. Yeah, my last tour of duty was in 1986 for armed robbery.
1: How long did you get for that?
0: I got four and a half years. I'd already been inside for a good part of 12 months. And, um, you know.
1: Do you have to be a little bit careful as a black fella walking around the streets of Brisbane to uh, not get yourself in trouble, whereas I don't, because mm. I'm a white fella?
0: We stand out, especially people of my colour of skin. We mm. stand out. We stand out in middle-class suburbia. We stand out on the platform at a train station. We stand out in a restaurant. We stand out in a cafe. Wherever I go, even in the bank, we stand out. Mm. You know? mm. When I walk into a shop, I stand out, I'm being paid attention to real good. So
1: do you, um, if somebody does the wrong thing by me and I might hurl a bit of abuse at them, do you find that you pull yourself back and not do that?
0: I have to because if I do the same or the like to you, then I could end up in all sorts of mischief. Mm.
1: Is that how you live your life now? From being a, a young kid full of, you know you know whatever yeah. you know you've got yourself in trouble is that how you are now you're much more diplomatic you live a, a, a more gentle life
0: yeah it's a lot more gentler than it once was even though the mind the committee i call them the, you know the chairman still wants to live the old ways sure but, you know in the, in those 12-step program that i i sort of even came from today you know you're here so what are you
1: what are you doing with yourself these days you're, you're off the grog yep you're um you're off any of those other substances, yep. you know, which you know you've mentioned that you sort of messed about with. Um, what's what's your career path now?
0: In a human way, in a physical way, I, I should be. I shouldn't even be sitting here talking to you, brother. That's that's dead set. And um, I suppose I was given a reprieve in 1992. In the RBH, I was actually hooked up to a cardiograph machine. And they were telling me that I would not be seeing in daylight, and that's the terms that was explained to me. Wow! And so
1: they expect you to die in the next couple of hours. Uh, yeah.
0: What's wrong with you? Um, I hadn't had a drink for a week, and um, my heart.
1: Why was your heart playing up? Was it just? Was it because of you hadn't had a drink in a week?
0: Yeah, more than likely. That it put some stress the, the on the physical heart. craving, man. Yeah. Put yeah. some stress on your heart. Oh yeah.
1: So you got through it, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here.
0: Well, I will tell you what, it didn't come easy because. I had a lot of fear about me on, on the day, and, and I was too scared. I was in tears, actually. I was tired, I wanted to go to sleep, but I was too scared to close my eyes with the train of thought, thinking that I'll never open them again. Yeah, and
1: close them once, and that's yeah. it. So you, so you got through it? Yep. yep. And, um, and where what's happened to your life now? You, well, you've mentioned that you're playing a bit of music, yeah. you're a bit of an artist...
0: Well, it didn't come easy because I had to learn how to behave properly, you know. I, I learned those values on 12-step programs, man. And um, I had to learn how to speak becomingly, act becomingly, and even dress becomingly.
1: So um, what sort of art are these pieces in this gallery here?
0: yours? Yep. Which Quite one? a few. This one I'm working on at the moment. Okay. So That's we're, we're looking that, at a... Uh, big yellow one. The one on the right-hand side there? No, just here against this yeah, table. Yeah, the little one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The big one there.
1: Okay, so what we're looking at is you know, sort of traditional um, ochre colours, red, you know, yep. yellow ochres, um, done in a swirly pattern. Yeah, you know? a, a little bit like the traditional dot
0: paintings but without the dots. So, the Aboriginal art never came from a canvas from day one. Well, it's it come from the ground, man, you know? Yeah,
1: it was originally on stone and then eventually on bark, wasn't
0: yeah, it? Literally, you know, and um, mind you. You know, but even before that, it was on the ground.
1: Oh, you mean actually drawing into the, the ground.
0: On the ground, no, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So you're doing, doing the art and you play... What's, what instrument do you play?
0: I play Yudaki, the didgeridoo, and... I have the utmost respect for that fellow so, because. So what do you,
1: you call him? What didgeridoo? Yiraki. Well, what's what's Yiraki?
0: Yiraki mean didgeridoo. Oh, okay. That's just where, another
1: name for didgeridoo.
0: No, it's not just or another name. the
1: name for didgeridoo. Yiraki. Okay. 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 I thought maybe the way you said it that it was a variety of didgeridoo. Yeah. And maybe
0: maybe a particular timber or a certain size or style or you so know. I was not so long ago, I was very close to where the Yiraki come from. Okay. Where it originate from. Okay. It doesn't come from the the rack here. It doesn't come from New South Wales or Tasmania. Where does it come the from? The concept comes from Arnhem Land. So it's like driving your car. If you want to learn how to drive a car, you find out about everything, how it works, before you even step into the car to turn the ignition on. So that's what I did, but for Yidaki, OK? And I play with the utmost respect and, um, you know, I so, picked that up not long after I actually stopped drinking.
1: Okay, so did you go up into that country and,
0: and... I've just come back from there not so long ago. So now I can add to to my list of credits, not only have I walked in Arnhem, the city in Holland, I've walked into... Oh,
1: there's actually a city called Arnhem.
0: Arnhem, that... where the name come from, oh. Arnhem Land. And okay. I explained it to my brothers up in Maningrida not so long ago. And they were going, what? So, True as I'm sitting here. I walked in the city of Arnhem as a child. And now,
1: you're in Arnhem Land.
0: Arnhem Land. Okay. So if you look very closely to, to, to the map of Australia, a lot of the top half of Australia is all named after Dutch things. You know? Okay, I'll have to have a look. Mm. Especially here in Queensland, man. You get a look at the Cape. A lot of Dutch terminologies and not Christmas just gone. The one before. Torres.
1: What was was he Dutch?
0: I think that so. Torres Strait was named after. Yeah. Like
1: he probably named them all on his way through.
0: Mm. Not this last Christmas just gone, the one before. I was actually in Sydney Harbour, well in Sydney, at Sydney Harbour Bridge North Shore with the richest Dutch people in this country celebrating 400 years anniversary of interaction between Australia and, and you know, what is now called Australia and um, Holland. So, you play the didgeridoo. you um, What else? My first dig lesson was in Queen Street Mall. Seriously? Seriously. And, uh, so how
1: long ago did you learn to play? About, like you said, about 12 years
0: ago? No, no. good oh, cool. part of 16, bro. Oh, okay. Almost when I stopped drinking.
1: Okay, and okay. So certainly you didn't learn when you were a 14-year-old
0: when you came back. No. No. And and I'm kind of, I feel sort of really grateful that I was able to have a crack at something. You know? Um, my first gig at the time was with a band called Gangajang. Yes. In Heard Lang it. Park yep. at the Brisbane Strikers' first national Soccer League's Grand Final that they won over Sydney F- Football Club, Sydney United. And I've always admired Ganga Jang because of one song, and, and it was about halfway through that song where the lead guitarist actually puts his guitar down and he comes up with a PVC pipe, and we have a bit of a, a duel in digits okay. in, in, in the centre of the Lang Park, and I sort of realised, hey, this is the song, man. And I was really, really privileged and honoured to, to share the stage with, with people like Ganga Jam. And when that was done, we all disappeared into the corporate box. I've never been in a corporate box in my life. And, uh, and um, I got to see the Brisbane Strikers win their first you know, national soccer yeah. grand final. Man, yeah. Yeah. that's
1: great! Great performance. Yep. So, do you perform much these days?
0: Um, not as often as I'd like to. I. I perform all the time when I'm busking, so that's my stage. Yeah.
1: So, do you get pulled into, like as a session user if they want a bit of dig on as a yep, bit of background? Yeah, I have a, been done
0: something. Known to do that. Um, I did it. I did it with uh, Native Room Syndicate and the Cruel Sea was in the production of a CD called Collaboration, and it was between black and white artists. And we, we scored the Cruel Sea, and I will tell you what, it was something else. That was a highlight. You know, one of many highlights, you know, about the birth of my two children. Highlights with Gangajang, not just once, a couple of times. Jimmy Jimmy Little. So
1: where to now for you?
0: I'd like to go back overseas, back to the country that I grew up in, and set up something that can be a central point for people from Australia, well, Aboriginal people in particular, to come and earn top dollar.
1: So you'd like to set up some sort of cultural exchange over there?
0: No, no, a base, a base that has culture there for European people to come and visit and, and uh, experience. And it doesn't necessarily have to stay in the one place. I mean, a few years ago, I put together a 16-piece outfit of didgeridoos called in, you know, Con in Oz Contemporary Con, Con uh, Ditch, Didgeridoos, in Oz, Australia. Sure. You know, and we played... We played, I think, just before the Centenary Federation. And at that same year, we actually played at the Livid Festival, big, huge international festival at the r Showgrounds, with two sh- big, sh- humongous screens side of stage. My only Rhonda danced in traditional dress as well as one of the Ditch Players. And, you know, the boys out front of the house, regurgitator boys were just in awe. Mm.
1: Oh, and that means you're just going off at
0: once. That'd be extraordinary. And, and I, I, I still find it hard to describe, you know. Not, not, I imagine it would be something like waking up out of a deep sleep somewhere in the desert in, in Africa and just like a stampede coming. You know, and, and that's as close to it as I could get. I've always been of a mind since I stopped drinking in 92 that, you know, like I learned in the club, you become self-sufficient. You stand on your own two feet.
1: So do you have a dream? Dream for Australia? Where no, we should go? You
0: know, Australia hasn't been kind to me since I did come home in 1975. I have no love for it. And I hear people like Kevin Rudd on election night talk about I will also be Prime Minister for Aboriginal Australia. You know, I wonder how true that statement's going to become in the future. Well,
1: he's in now so we'll see.
0: Well, we'll you know see. does he pick up the legacy of what Mr Mr Johnny Coward has created or, or or does he say look, let's stop this shit, let's create something more constructive and more new, where everybody is at an equal and what this country ought to better start realizing is that specific orders were given by the king of the day. What was that order? That we were to be, you know, looked after in some Decent way. I'm also one of the actors out of a movie called The Proposition. Oh, yeah. Where in big white letters across the screen, you know, uh, remnants of constitution, a duty of care that has never been fulfilled. Wow.
1: Well, let's see how Kevin Rudd goes. Let's let's see if he is going to make a difference. Let's see if he's going to become a statesman instead of
0: a politician. Well, I'd I'd, I'd just like to see him become a human being like the rest of these. 20 million people, you know. I just come from a conference in the top end that I never got to finish the story on. And I said to them, you know, to the national collective, when are we gonna stop sucking that phallic symbol for money, when are we as a race of people gonna pull our own socks up? Because I wasn't taught those things in Europe as a child. So why should I start now, you know, as a 46 year old man? I go to these Stolen Jam conferences quite often, and, and one day I might hear something constructive, rather than, oh, we need money for this, da. or you know, Club taught me to stand on my own two feet as well, become fully self-sufficient. You know? I've got money in my pocket these days. You
1: know? And Rob, maybe with that, this whole country will be a much better place.
0: Mm.
1: Hey, um, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate.
0: Yeah, no worries. All the best, eh? Hey? Yeah, you too.